I just want us to, if you want to stand, you can. But I just want you to lift your hands to heaven. Let's position our hearts to receive. Sometimes when we meet and we start to greet each other, we can get off track. We can start to think about what we're doing for lunch. But do you know the Lord is here? Brett just told me, I was talking with Brett, and she said she did not have the arthritis that I called out earlier, but she had pain in her shoulder. And it was uncomfortable, I believe. Did you have trouble sleeping? Yeah. Yeah, so it was stiff, and when she would turn, and she said when we started to pray and talk and worship the Lord, that pain left. Come on, he's here. Yeah, 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 come on. So if you will, actually, just go ahead and stand to your feet. Just for, just for, we'll do 60 seconds. 60 seconds. Lift your hands to heaven. Come on. Oh, Jesus. Come on. You tell him he's wonderful. Jesus, you are holy. Holy is the Lord. There is none like you, God. You alone have the power to heal. You alone, oh, Jesus. Let this gathering this morning, we don't need another church service. We do not need another church service, but we need your presence, Lord. You were here this morning and we ask that you stay. That you stay, God. Touch, touch our hearts, touch our hearts. Soften hearts, God. Clear minds. Some people have come into this building with their mind already made up. They already have a belief system. But right now, Jesus, clear their mind. Clear their heart. Open, oh God. You are holy. Come on, just a few more seconds. Tell him he's good. Tell him you love him. Jesus, you are worthy. We love you, Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. We've come for you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Hmm. Somebody has pain in their left foot. In their left foot, right where the art should be. It's caused pain. It's caused pain all through your leg and your hip. And right now, we speak to that pain in Jesus' name. We wash it in the blood. Arch, come back right now. We pray for arches to just form right now in the foot and pain to leave in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Pain in the lower back. Feel that right now. Be gone in the name of Jesus. We wash it in the blood. You said by your stripes we're healed. Wash us, God. Wash us. Be lifted up. Be lifted up. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, keep your heart open, though. Keep your heart open. If you will, I'm... (laughs) Maybe I'm a little old-fashioned. Try not to text. Try not to get distracted. Don't move. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You can breathe, maybe. (laughs) Only if it's not too loud. Amen. I love the presence of Jesus. He was here this morning. I, I was really wrestling. I thought, Lord, um, do I even share? Do I even share? Um, because you know there's no preachers in heaven. Now, the men that are preachers go to heaven, but there is no preaching because the gospel is there. He's there. What there is in heaven is worship. And it's in worship. Um, if you study revival culture... And I'm not talking like, hey, our church is having a guest speaker. We're having revival. No, I'm talking an outpouring of the Spirit, the first great awakening, the second great awakening, the Welsh revival. It was worship. 
And when one worship team, say Richie and Danny and the team were up here leading worship and it's been four or five hours, they get down and other people get up and it's worship nonstop because he's there. He comes and manifests himself and there's just worship. And so this morning I felt him so heavy and I thought, oh Lord, do I have anything to even say? And so uh, thank you for just joining in. I felt him so heavy this morning and I believe that people are going to continue to be touched by the Lord throughout the day. Amen? All right. Well, those of you that know me and have heard me speak, um, (laughs) Daniela and I have been marked with a message, and it's the message of intimacy and fellowship with the Lord. And I believe this, um, and I'm not going to get into the story of why too much, but um, I preached for a while, and I just got burnt out and tired because I'm like, God, this religious thing is not working for me. I still want to live the old lifestyle that I lived, and it just wasn't working. And he said, because I didn't call you into religion, I've called you into fellowship. And it's in fellowship that the things religion tries to tell you to do will become a way of life naturally. Like I've used that example in the, in the church I was a part of before, they had a little slogan, don't smoke, drink, or chew, or date girls who do. <laughs> you might laugh, but I knew a girl that chewed, Okay. I knew that you might laugh, but, and so I struggled with that. Like, yeah, but I want to, but it was when somebody said, Blaine, you're struggling with religion, but you're called into fellowship that I learned that the Lord is actually alive and speaking. And when I was with him, it was dialogue with the Lord that caused me then to not follow rules, but say, why would I do those things? So it wasn't, here's the list of things I can't do because it might make me not a good person. It was, why would I do those things? Because it breaks Jesus's heart and he's the one that saved me. And and, and people, I I think because we've grieved the spirit and fellowship, we don't see healing. So it's just become language. Like God will heal. And you're like, yeah, okay, I'm still broken. So I don't believe it, but God heals and he touches. And it was when I was marked with that message that Daniela and I Minister that all the time, everywhere we go, every person that has us speak, we minister fellowship with the Father. And I've seen deacons in the church that, you know, if you, if you think about elders in the church that have been there since the church was built, come to the altar and say, I've never heard this message. I'll never forget that Sunday that an elder of the church that said, I was here when they built this church, and I've never heard that message. And I want to accept Jesus into my heart. You think about that, an elder. And so this message of intimacy and fellowship is everything. Without it, nothing matters. I can teach you a message on good character. But if if you're not fellowshipping with the Lord, what's it matter? You can go to a seminar and get that. There are some really good worldly speakers. There really are. Politicians. There are everything out there that you can listen to that they're a much better speaker than me. I don't claim to be a good speaker. I say things wrong. (laughs) You know, hey, it's the way it is. Um, I guess I'm just kind of like an old country boy or something, you know. Um, I don't say things right all the time. I don't use the exact grammar that I should. So there are better speakers, right? Um, But it's fellowship with God that then you say, oh my gosh, he loves me and he communes with me and he connects with me and he is alive. So Laguel might say, yes, The Lord is alive and speaking, and I think that's great and well, okay, but it isn't until I encounter that and experience that that this thing comes alive, and you realize this isn't a history book. This word is alive, and he does speak, and he does heal, and he does deliver, and he does renew. So fellowship is everything. Without it, there is nothing. That's why he came. 
He came to be Jacob's ladder. So we have access to heaven. We have access to the throne room. And so Roe asked me, he goes, hey, I'm going to be gone. Uh, by the way, our pastor is, is, is pretty cool. He's doing some apostolic stuff. He's been an apostle. He's preaching in Arizona right this morning, right now. So I was praying for him. I'm believing that he's releasing a word that's going to wreck that church. He is an apostle. I mean, he was sent here from another country like he's on assignment. The Lord brought his family here and provided. I love that we have an apostolic pastor. So um, we're praying for him. We're praying that that church just explodes with the glory this morning. Um, So I'm thankful that he trusts me this morning. And when he asked me, immediately the Lord said, I want you to share with joy about joy. And I thought, but Lord, like, where's, where's intimacy in that? Like, what, I thought we were marked with fellowship. And he goes, no, I want you to preach on joy. And what he'll do when, if Teresa come up to me and said, I want you to speak at my church, the Lord will give me a word, and then it's like a treasure hunt. He goes, now you have to be with me to have anything to say. Because again, this isn't a classroom. I don't prepare to educate you. I have to be with him so he can flow out of me. We're not of the world. We don't do things the same way. God's like, if you're not with me, you have nothing to say. So you can ramble on for an hour if you want. But if you want me to show up, you better be with me. And so I was with him and he goes, listen, and this is the title for this message. This message this morning. It's called the joy in abiding. The joy in abiding. And I pray that I can get through it all this morning. Worship was so good that, oh my, 1126. I'll try to get through it as much as I can. um, But I'm not going to rush this. But the Lord is saying the joy of abiding. And I hear a lot of language like in this hour. Uh, the church is using, but I believe that it's lost its weight. And one of those words, for example, is revival. People all the time, we're in revival. Well, how do you know? Well, people are getting saved, but that's not revival. The harvest is a character of revival, but in and of itself, it's not revival. Revival, that's why there's only, the harvest is ongoing. People get saved all the time. I think Betty just got saved last week. <laughs> oh, I love Betty. She'll probably holler at me later, you know, whatever. So, anyways, <laughs> I hope to get as spiritual as you one day, Betty. And but but listen, it the harvest is ongoing, but revival. That's why there's only been the first great awakening and the second, and I believe we're on the verge of the third great awakening. I do. I believe that. But revival, in and of itself, is not just the harvest. Okay, it is literally God manifesting himself in holiness and power and authority to both saint and sinner. So yes, our goal is to see the sinner saved. 100%. We love the harvest, but it's also God working and revealing himself to the church so that on earth as it is in heaven becomes a reality. Yes, it, it's, it's we start to look like him. We start to act like him. We start to release, like Jesus, he's the perfect example. He said, hey, listen, I only say what I hear my father saying. And I only do what I see my father doing. The church, when revival happens, will quit worrying about festivals and activities and keeping the schedule filled. And will start saying, I'm only saying what I hear my father saying. And I'm only doing what I see my father doing. And the world will say, we're looking for justice. And they'll say, we've tried this and we tried that. And we've tried this and nothing works. But they'll look at the church and say, how is it that a black man and a white man can worship together? Because he's here. Listen, it is when the church paves the way. For listen, we, you want to see how things are done. It's done here. 
You're trying to define love. Look at the church for what love really is. Because love is a man. It's not a thing. It's a man. And so the world is trying to figure things out. And the church has got caught up in their chaos. And we start to say, how can we be relevant so that people will come? We're not called to be relevant. If you are, what did you get saved from? Now listen, Roe told me before. I'm sorry, Pastor Roe told me. Get that father-in-law mode where I'm just like, me and Roe, you know. Pastor Roe told me before. He goes, Blaine, I want you to come in and be you and be a fireball and I'll clean up the mess later. I'm going to tell him, you got a lot of mess to clean up, man. I really made a mess on aisle five. But, but listen, it, it, it's revival is when heaven starts to manifest. Do you know during the Welsh revival, bars went out of business? Do you know that the police didn't have anything to do, so they went to the meetings? This is history. You can look it up. In the Welsh revival, things were happening. People were healed. People were touched. That literally the whole community was in, like impacted by this move of God. Azusa Street Revival was during a time of segregation. It was during a time of deep racism at the forefront and okay. It was just okay. That was just the way of life. But William Seymour sought the voice of God. And there in that place on the Azusa Street building, that was where all races come together in worship because God was in the building. And when God takes the building, none of the garbage of the world has room. That, so revival is more than just the harvest. It's God starting to manifest himself through us. And people can say, there's something different about Miss Jo. That literally, she may not have been preached the gospel, but when I get coffee with her, they're like, I want that. I had a guy come to our, 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 our workplace that um, my dad and I have a logging company, and we, we're, we're there, and he goes, man, since Blaine's here, the vibe has been different, was his words. But I said, Dad, that's the Holy Spirit. We don't separate kingdom from the marketplace. That's what's been in trouble with the world. Now we bring it into, and I didn't say a word to that guy besides, hey, how are you? Good to see you. But he's saying, listen, I feel something different. I want to know more about that. And that's led to kingdom conversations. So revival will be literally, he is on me, and just my way of life is releasing kingdom onto both saint and sinner. And holiness starts to come to the forefront. And righteousness starts to come to the forefront. People get healed and saved. And people will glorify God. I'll move on from that. But I think of even Nebuchadnezzar said, like, praise the God of Daniel. That's what I'm hearing is presidents and people in leadership and governors will say, oh my gosh, praise the God of the Christians. Because I don't know there was chaos, there was confusion. Listen, and I was hearing a testimony from the church in the Ukraine that there were missiles and they had pictures of unexploded shells. And they said, we started to pray and say, God, we have no other hope. And you say you are a strong shelter, protect our community. And the, the shell like landed, but it didn't explode. You can say, I don't believe that. Well, what do you do with the picture? <laughs> yeah, we staged all of that. But listen, I went through that trouble. So, what I want to talk about today is the joy of abiding. And, and why I want to release this word is I believe part of revival happening is I believe the church needs to, needs to walk into this invitation the Lord has where the joy of the Lord is released off of our life. The joy of the Lord. That in this hour, there is nothing but confusion. Nothing but 
Mass chaos. What do we do? Vote this way. Vote that way. Vote this. Do that. Do this. Think my way. Like, wear this if you love this person. But yet if you don't, I don't love you. And mixed messages and hate. And the church has gotten mixed up into that and is just as confused. And the Lord is saying, listen, I didn't call you into that. I didn't call you to get confused. I didn't invite you into this lifestyle to get like in a place of fear. I didn't invite you into this. If you're being conformed into my image, I don't do that. I have a book called um, The Book of the Martyrs. Another thing, if Christianity wasn't the way, why did people get killed for it? Think about that. There was a young woman, and the way the book talked about it, she was beautiful, had everything going for her, um, but she was in a place that they didn't believe in Jesus, and they would kill you for believing in him. Um, And... So anyways, this young girl, she gets, they, they take her, they take her right into the middle of town. So they take her downtown Marion here, um, and they place her so everybody can see her, and they spit on her, they beat her, they all these, all these things. I'm sure your mind can put into picture what they did to her. And she would not renounce Jesus. And she said, she said, nothing you can do will replace the joy of fellowship with the Father. Her family said, just renounce Jesus and they'll let you go. She said, No. Nothing they can do will replace the joy I have being with him. And she was burned at the stake with a smile on her face, is what the history records. Think of that joy. We don't face that in this country. But yet we still, I I love believers. I love the body of Christ. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here doing this. We have ministry outside of the body that we could keep us busy if we let it. But I'm here because I love the body. I love our corporate gatherings. But some people I've met in the church claim they have this joy, claim I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the head and not the tail. But I look at their life and I'm like, you're no different than me. Before I was saved, I'm like, why are you telling me to accept this Jesus when there's nothing different from our lives? Besides, you don't cuss and you don't do these things and you don't talk a certain way on Sunday morning for about two hours. What's the difference? We handle things the same. Like, you're just, like, there were some people, I'm like, you're in more fear than I am. But that's not the Lord, that's not what the Lord's having us do. And I believe in this hour, part of revival, don't just get so focused on the harvest that you miss God wanting to produce his character in you. That don't forget, Psalms tell us that the Lord sits and laughs at the attack of the enemy. Pastor Teresa released that word and it just, just messed me up. I'm like, I want that as a smooth stone. Like, David, I'm going to put that one in my pouch. So if when the Goliath comes, I can say the Lord's laughing at that. So, so the joy of the Lord needs to be produced in our life. That way it, that, that our life produces this message of the world. Danny and I wrote this song. It's so beautiful. It's like kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but he's still sitting on his throne. So America, whatever happens, we still live in the joy of the Lord that he's already won. And in this message, I believe that I'm going to release something to you that is just equips your faith to say no matter what comes my way the joy of the lord is my strength because he's already won because he's in me because i've been saved because i'm in this world but i'm not of this world and you could say i don't know that's getting a little spiritual for me everything about jesus is spiritual so religion won't give you the joy of the lord it'll just give you language to be burnt out with (laughs) i don't know maybe i you want me to sit down or keep going The joy of the Lord. We have to, and listen, can I get real with you for a minute? All right, this is my only illustration I have. I married Daniela. 
most beautiful woman I know. We, mar- we got married. So there's a thing married people can do. And it produced something. It produced something. We're expecting a child, right? We're adults. Emily, plug your ears. No, I'm kidding. We're expecting a child. Because we became one and we had an intimate relationship that nobody else had. It was just Danny and I, right? Okay. When you accept Jesus into your life, he calls us the bride and he is the bridegroom. And so when you're with him, you start to produce something. A tree will be known by its fruit. So to be a true believer and in fellowship with God, your lifestyle will start to produce something that they say, those apples aren't from here. (laughs) That apple tree is producing apples that I've never seen. How are you producing apples? I'm using this as an illustration. When you have, when it seems that the world has no water or good soil to offer you. Like so in fellowship and intimacy with the Lord, I believe this morning he wants to release a joy bomb in your life that explodes into Fellowship with the fathers producing this joy that the world cannot shake. That come hell or high water, come World War III or not, the joy of the Lord is still in me. No matter what my finances are doing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? So I want to I release this, this joy that comes from abiding. And abiding is this idea, listen to this definition, to remain in a place, not to depart It's a place that you survive, and it's a place to be held. I feel like, I just hear the Lord, somebody hasn't been held. Somebody feels like an orphan in here. They've masked a life to make it feel strong, but you just need to be held. You've tried different things, but the Lord's the only one that can hold you. It's the Lord. That's for somebody. I don't know who, but to abide is a place to survive. To dwell in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow. Abiding is saying, Lord, I'm living underneath your protection. I'm not leaving here because I survive here. I'm protected here. I find life here. So when I abide with God, I'm safe. It's the only place I can survive. And in that, there's a dialogue. The last time I taught about fellowship with the Lord, oil for intimacy was the name. There's a conversation that happens. And I start to converse with the Lord. And he starts to speak to my every issue and my every need and everything about me. And in that dialogue, I start to produce this joy that I don't understand, that I can't define. Nobody can understand it besides God. It's God that's producing this joy in me that, that now is, is just a way of life for me. Does that make sense? Okay. I want to think about this. Psalm 1611. You don't have to turn there. Just write this down. In your presence is the fullness of joy. So temporary joy that the world offers, it comes and goes. He's saying joy in the fullness comes from being in my presence. Look at this one. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. So how can I be with the Lord and be the Lord's and still be miserable? Because if he's my shepherd, I don't want. So if my wants are filled, I should have a joy. Amen. If there's something missing in my life, I need to talk to the shepherd. Because he's going to lead me to green pastures. He's going to lead me to a place where I don't have this want in my life. Okay, what about this one? David said, I have, not fors- I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Now, why do I share these scriptures? This isn't our main scripture. 
I share this because if you're abiding with the Lord, these three alone should bring a joy bomb in your life to never get weary or worn out or tired or discouraged or in fear again. Because I did this Bible study on Monday morning before we start work, some family and I, we do a Bible study for about an hour. And I like wanted to start shouting. I'm like, I know they don't do tongues yet, but I'm like wanting to run because I'm like, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And that alone, if God says when I'm saved and he clothes me with righteousness, David is saying, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. So it drops a joy bomb in my life. If you are a kingdom business owner, don't worry about the prices of fuel. Don't worry about inflation because I have never seen the righteous forsaken. My mom can be a testimony of children that are running wild all hours of the night. And for me, she probably thought there is no hope for blame. But again, God showed, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've heard your prayers. I'll move on Blaine's life where he has to come face to face to me and deny me or accept me. And that's exactly what happened. I was like, hey, listen, I'll put my tithe in. God bless our business in the name of Jesus. Where the party at? Like, like, that was my life. But it was when my mom interceded that God met me face to face. And I'm like, oh, whoa. And I knew. And I sh- I've shared that before, so I'm not going to go into that. But that should fire you up that the righteous are not forsaken. So no matter what happens, God, I cannot be shaken. Because you are for me. So I'm not going to get down. My dad and I were talking about fuel prices. And we have logging equipment. And it costs fuel. And we saw a friend post that it was $700 to fill up their semi. Now that, that'd be enough to get a small business owner to want to quit. But I said, Dad, don't forget, we've never seen the righteous forsaken. So if God has brought me back to run this business, we have never seen the righteous forsaken. He will provide every need. That's for your family, for your life, for your business. The joy of the Lord. We don't turn it off and on and say, you can't come into my workplace. I know my mom has said, why well, work in the school? I'm like, who cares? They can't stop who you are. If they fire you, let it be. Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And that brings me a great joy that surpasses all understanding. And so I want to share this message because Roe is releasing such a powerful word. Oh, my goodness. I'm afraid to listen to it again because I'm like, Roe, i got a lot to do at work. And if you get me laid out at the shop, man, I won't get anything done. But he's talking about vision. And see what the Lord, when I said, Lord, I don't want to go against the house and just preach a random message. We don't have time for that. What do you want me to share? And he said, joy. And I'm like, well, how does this apply to what the, the, the shepherd of this house is already doing? And he said, listen, when I give vision, when I give true vision to Daniela, or put your name in there, when I give you vision, and you know it's from God, what's the enemy going to try to do? Weary you, stra- shame you. Heath, you're not good enough. Miss Joe, you can't do that. You know your past. You can't do that. Do you think, look at the gas prices. Could you really do that? You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're this, you're that, you're broken. And you will be worn out and think, I'm done. Rose's message must have been great, but it wasn't for me. What about this one? It worked for Miss Joe, but not me. The enemy will do whatever he can to throw you off of assignment. He doesn't do that if it's some foolish vision. And it's worldly. He's like, yeah, go ahead. She'll destroy herself in the meantime. But when you get a glimpse of heaven for both this body, this body in this city, when you get a glimpse for your life, for your family, and you know, thus saith the Lord, the enemy is going to try to attack you with Scripture. Remember what he did to Jesus. Why don't you do this? Because the Lord says, 
And he's going to try to wear you down. He's going to try to rob you of your vision. So the Lord's like, release this joy bomb. That once we receive vision from the Lord, once we receive direction, while the rest of the world is spinning in chaos, what do we do? Who do we vote for? What happens if this? What happens if that? You're able to say, I have a word from the Lord. His word is a lamp unto my feet. And I'm not looking at what's shaking going on. I'm looking at the Lord. And so I've never seen the righteous forsaken. So even in the midst of the climate of the culture, I'm still operating under the prosperity of heaven. And the devil does not want that because that's where real transformation happens. That's where your home becomes a holy place. That's where your city block will get saved. That's where me into the workplace, it's the greatest ministry field. And you would think, I thought for years, these people don't want to hear about Jesus. But I've heard people, the most rough, rugged men say, hey, I'd like to talk to you. I've got some questions. The devil does not want you to have that true vision. And so listen, we have to walk in the joy of the Lord that you can say, I know things are shaken, but I'm making eye contact. And it's my joy to know that he has never lost a battle. It's my joy. They can say, what are you doing? You can say, man, the Lord told me. And I have joy in his voice because he doesn't lose. He doesn't lose. He doesn't lie. He doesn't, whoops, didn't see that coming. And so there's joy in vision. There's joy in hearing the Lord guide and say, Will, here's what I want you to do with your life. And you're thinking, that's crazy. Why would I do that? But in in the world and your family even might be saying, that's stupid. Why would you do that? But you're saying, listen, I heard the Lord. (laughs) I don't care if you think it's foolish. He's awesome. He's great. And he's for me, not against me. Okay, so we need to have this joy produced. Hmm. Open your Bibles to Psalm 51, 12. Psalm 51, 12. I'm not going to get through all of it today, so there's two scriptures I want to for sure release. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 51, 12. It simply says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Again, I, I want to reiterate that, that we are not to be a church that says, yeah, I'm saved, I'm good. But we don't release anything. We don't look any different than the world. And I believe that God is saying to the church, I'm willing to restore the joy of your salvation. Hey, I'm willing to take your mourning and give you joy. I have new garments of praise for you. I have a new name for you. It's time that you turn in what you've been dealing with and really accept what you say you have. It's time to really walk into the Christian life. It's time to really have the Nehemiah 810, the joy of the Lord is my strength as a reality in my life. It's time that the Lord is saying, listen, I'm in the business of restoring and the hour is now that you'll walk into the harvest with a smile on your face. You'll walk into the harvest without being shaken. If you look at the building this house wants and the money it would cost to buy this building and to get it operational and functional, it would be easy to get down. It would be easy to say, man, Marion, have you seen the crime rate? Have you seen the corruption? Have you seen these different things? But we can have a smile on our face and joy in our heart knowing it's the Lord who's mandated this mission for this house. And so listen, I'm not afraid of this. I see the obstacles. I see the things going on. But I am more make, I'm, I'm making eye contact with the Lord so I'm not shaken by your narrative. Is that, is that 
It's simple. It's that the joy, I'm, I cannot be shaken. I can't be thrown off course. And I get that laugh from the throne room and saying like, the enemy's trying, boy, but I'm keeping smiling because I'm on this path. His word is a lamp unto my feet. He creates the pathway for me. And listen, I know that when I'm in fellowship with him, nothing can throw me off. Nothing can pick you from the palm of God's hand besides yourself. If you choose to be taken out of his hand, that's the only thing. So restore to me the joy of your salvation. Hmm. The salvation, what's it mean? Saved, healed, delivered. Let me tell you, you are saved from something and you're saved to something. Do you know that the believer is unkillable? You're like, okay, where's he going? My grandpa, I did his funeral. He accepted Jesus right before he passed. And at the funeral, I said, so for all of us in Christ, this isn't goodbye. It's see you in the morning. Why? That's Bible. That he didn't. I mean, you may think, oh, Blaine, this is crazy. No, this is Bible. So if you're going to say, I believe in the 33-year-old Jewish man that defeated death, hell, and the grave, he says, the only thing I honor more than my name is my word. And so his word is saying, although there may be Parkinson's and things that attacked your grandpa's body, it didn't win the war. That he may have passed from this age into the age to come. That he won't be left as an orphan. He won't remain in a place of being dead. He is already to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. So I'm kind of jealous of where he's at. Why am I saying all this? We find joy in every circumstance and I'm saved from sin. I've saved from death. I'm healed from all my past wounds. I'm healed whether it be physically, spiritually, and I can be delivered from a lifestyle that left me broken. Flawless. That's beautiful. That I loved what you were sharing, Miss Joe, about being broken. Sometimes it's you have to show the Lord I'm broken. And this whole blessed and highly favored combo isn't helping me. My daily devotion isn't helping me, but it comes through abiding and being with the Lord and getting real and saying, dude, I'm broken. I've made some crappy decisions in my life. I've got other people's baggage on me spiritually. Um, You know, anxiety, depression is not normal. Let me tell you, we were youth pastors. They said, well, my school guidance counselor, and I'm not mocking any of this, I promise. It's just how we flow. They said, um, my school guidance counselor told me I need these pills. I said, you don't need pills. You need Jesus. And we prayed for her and she didn't deal with depression anymore. You can't medicate a spiritual attack. That's why it never works. That's why it never works. And a few weeks later, or if the pills run out, guess what? I'm still broken. But restore to me the joy of salvation. God, restore to us the meaning of being saved. So it's not just like, you saved? Yep, okay, good. No, Daniela, are you saved? Yep. Okay, well, the Lord, I've been praying and I sense there's something that needs to leave you. We need to pray for healing over your body. Because why only accept half of what God gives? That'd be like me saying, hey, Ashley, here's a hundred bucks. You can have it. I'm going to tear it in half. No, I have two fifties. Here, you want the hundred? She goes, yeah, and she just takes one fifty. So I can say, you know, look at what I got. But you could have the full hundred if you would just reach out and grab it. Well, I don't want to seem too picky or too needy. Or two, that might be two, I don't know. No, take what God's freely giving. That's, if, listen, we're, 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 I almost feel we're in such a dangerous place by not walking around healed and delivered. Because he said, by my stripes, you're healed. 
This is the word of God. And listen, Daniela and I have never said, hey, let's be healing ministry. We've never got on TV and said, if you send a check of $2,000, your healing is on its way. No, 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 no. We just are like, oh my gosh, we're struggling with ministry. And it's because we're trying this American thing. What's the Bible say? Oh, it says, John, John, what, 14, greater works. Jesus said, you saw what I do, you'll do greater. Okay. Uh, we're out doing street ministry. We're like, God heal this broken arm. <laughs> you know, I, I had a man struggling with homosexuality, like literally bad, lied to his wife for years. He's sitting there and I'm like, dude, the Lord's saying quit hiding. And he's like, Bleh. he's no longer living in homosexuality. The Lord healed him. Yeah. And it was a journey and he continued to get delivered. But I'm saying like these things are the word of God. I'm not a loony, loony teacher. Well, maybe I don't. <laughs> you decide. But saved, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to us the joy that we are saved from death, from the devil, from the things of the world. Restore to us the joy of being delivered. Restore to us the joy of simply, God, you saved me. I didn't deserve it. I deserved to battle with depression, anxiety. I deserved to be a generational alcoholic. I deserved these things. But God, you saved me. How can I ever hold back my praise? He's a good God and continues to do things. But even if you didn't do another thing, you saved me. We need to have joy that God, Muhammad is dead. Allah is dead. Oh, we got a bunch of wise sayings. I know wise people that say good things all the time. But we serve a living God. And if somebody wants to argue, tell them that didn't happen to you. God didn't heal you, Ashley. God didn't provide all those years for you, Ashley. Let them tear it down because you can't. You, I love in the book of Acts when the disciples were like, I know we're uneducated. I know we don't have the teaching of the Pharisees. I know, but we can't help but speak of the things we've seen and heard. I know I don't have your PhD or your doctorate, but dude, he's alive and he's active and I've seen him heal. Oh my goodness, this, there's joy in knowing this God that saves. But we have to reclaim what it means to be saved. And in the body, like we're brothers. And Heath, if you see something in my life and you're like, Blaine, man, I've been praying for you. And, and, and God wants to take that from you because you're saved. Don't leave it on the table. Don't leave money on the table. Gosh, man, he saved you. Let's walk in that. Let's see that. Let's see that manifest in your life. You're a business owner. I'm not going to let you go. I, I pray over Daniela every morning before I leave for work. God, she is a creative woman that has sounds of heaven. Draw it out of her. Let her mouth sing the praises of heaven. Get it out of her because I see it in her. And I'm like, babe, you're healed. You're delivered. You have the song of the redeemed. The whole world is looking for freedom and you hold it. How dare you hold it back? I don't care about laws that say separation of church and state. When the church operates in its designed form, we will lead the way without doing a thing. (laughs) If you don't believe it's a spiritual thing over God, I told my dad the other day, we were talking at lunch about different situations in the world. I said, if it's not the Bible that's true, why is there fights over thousands of years over a little piece of land called Jerusalem in Israel? What in... That does not, it's a little piece of land. Who would fight thousands of years over that? But it's the beloved of God. 
So if that's true in his word, every word is true. Restore to me the joy of being saved. Restore to me the joy of fellowship with God. The creator of the universe. He isn't hiding and saying, you're not good enough, Betty. One of these days. No, he's saying, I long for you. It's, can I share the last scripture? Or, it's really my first scripture after Psalm 51. We, can you stay for just a few more minutes? Is that okay? Guys, I, I, Psalm, or Hebrews 12, 2. Hebrews 12, 2. I want you to turn there. And I'm going to read it in the Passion. So if you put it up on the screen, would you do Passion, please? I wish I could teach this whole message, but I I don't have time. I have more scriptures. But if nothing else, I want to share this scripture with you. This wrecks me. I almost started sobbing this morning. Hebrews 12, 2 in the Passion. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us, and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is, can we get to the next slide? His example is, oh, I'm sorry, and three, my bad. (laughs) His example is this. Listen, 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 listen. Don't, Don't look away. Hear this. Don't get distracted. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you hear what I just said? That God, knowing you would be his, said, I'll take the cross. And if you've studied anything or read about crucifixion, it was the most barbaric thing you could ever imagine. They shoved a crown of thorns into his head. They took this piece of leather wrapped with metal spikes and beat him and ripped out so his internals were showing. They mocked him and put a sign that said king of the Jews and clothed him with a purple robe and spit on him as he walked by and mocked him, everything he said. But God said, it's all worth it because I know they'll be mine. It's the joy that's set before me. He had vision. He said, Right now, you may not see what's going on. You may see a man that is getting crucified, getting beaten, getting mocked, getting totally humiliated. But he didn't back down. He said, it's because there's a joy coming of intimacy with all whoever was, all who is, and all whoever will be. The joy set before me. How could I not take the cross? The joy set before me is too great to back down, to get wearied, to listen to all the haters, to to stop where I'm at. The joy set before me, a fellowship with my people. Number one, if he's saying fellowship with my people, that gives you purpose. That gives you meaning. The world's searching for meaning, purpose, love. And they turn away from God. Or have we not shown God well? To say, listen, you're broken, you're searching, you're looking for identity, for purpose, for meaning, for healing, ways to cope. But the Lord said, I endured the worst crucifixion of all time. I was beaten. I was just as a lamb led to slaughter. Because I have this joy that's coming. That I can fellowship with my people. 
That I can tell Paige she's blessed and highly favored. That she's the beloved of the Lord. That she has a purpose. That nothing in life can shake her. That I can tell Will and Cleo, whatever you do in life, the enemy will not knock you off course if you're just in fellowship. That you will change generations. That what you're going to do in multiple nations, that God is going to leave a legacy of your life to speak healing to the broken. To speak identity and speak, a, like I, I see this on both of you, that you're going to speak and create a culture of heaven. While narratives are floating around, you're going to speak the narrative of heaven. That's for both of you. Like, like, listen, the joy is fellowship with God, and that's what we have the cross for. We don't have the cross for Easter service. God said, I have a vision, and it's being one with my sons and daughters. It's abiding among them. It's them abiding in me, and I in them. It's speaking to them. It's seeing them laugh at the devil and his attacks. It's seeing them prosper in the midst of a crooked generation. It's seeing them manifest heaven on earth. The Lord had a vision and it was us. And so I'm telling you in this hour, with this house, God is releasing vision, purpose, and identity. He's releasing purpose, vision, and identity. And the enemy, listen to what James says. James says this. James chapter 1. I, I want to read it. It's, it's, so, um, it's so good. James chapter 1 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect in lacking nothing. Jesus had a vision, and he persevered and said, I know I'm getting beaten. I know I'm getting mocked, but I see my bride. I see my bride. I see that on the other side of this day is their healing. I see is their salvation, is their prosperity, is their source of living. So Jesus had a vision and he kept going. His vision was us. And friends, I'm here to tell you that as God is releasing vision, as he's releasing these things, the enemy is going to try to wear you down. He's going to try to use the narrative and the volume of the culture to tell you it can't happen. He's going to try to tell you when the Antichrist comes, he is going to win the hearts and minds of so many people because they're not making eye contact. They're not in fellowship. The enemy is going to try to take your dream, is going to try to wear you down, try to take your vision that God gives to you. And friends, I'm telling you, it's through intimacy, it's through fellowship that's going to produce this joy that when you feel the pressures turning on, just as the three Hebrew boys walked into the fire that the guards were killed, taking them in. But then the king of the evil culture said, it looks like, I thought you only put three in there, but there's a fourth one and it looks like the son of God. And I'm telling you that your life is going to produce this joy that you're going to feel the furnace. You're going to feel the narrative of the culture. You're going to feel the ways of the world trying to pressure you and bend you and try to define your Jesus and get rid of the old book and the old man so you're not living in sin because there's nothing to call it sin. And they're going to try to define everything about you. But friends, I want you to have a smile on your face and worship the Lord because we have a joy inside of us that is saying, no, the Lord, listen, He endured the cross. He beat death, hell, and the grave. And He has led me. He has given me this vision. He is inside me, communicating with me. So I won't bend to the culture. I won't give up. I won't bend to your narrative because I am in fellowship with the Lord. And you can do it with a smile on your face. You can do it and say, I sense the shaking. But I love the shaking because we're going to see God. 
I see the Ukraine and Russia, and it's heartbreaking whenever anybody loses their life. Don't miss the point. But I'm smiling because I said, Putin will see the glory of God. And CNN and Fox News will try to cover it up and say, look with the peace that happened. But God will come to the forefront. Because the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And I'm here to tell you that you are going to have haters and discouragement in your life. But if you continue with the Lord, continue praying, continue being with Him, people all around you will say, through Betty's life, I see the Lord. Because she's not qualified. But I see the Lord fighting for her. And we're going to say, oh God, we're like a child. You are true. You do fight for me. You do love me. You see Him when you find joy in the midst of trial. Oh my gosh, you do love me. You've told me that, but now that I'm facing something, I find joy because I'm like, oh, dad's coming. Dad's coming. And I don't have to say a word, but he's going to fight for me. You may say, but my dad wasn't there. He didn't fight for me. My parents abandoned me. My foster family didn't do that, but God will not. He has no stepkids. He has no foster kids. He has no grandkids. He has kids. And he's a good father. And I'm telling you, I want a joy bomb to hit the church that sits and says, do you think we're going to hide and cower in this moment? We are going to praise God and intercede for our city. We're going to pray and believe that in the midst of shaking, Jesus will be enthroned. We're not living in religious language. This is a reality. And I've seen too much for you to talk me out of it. So I don't care if I look like a fool to the world. I've looked worse. But Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, not just to get his bride. He's coming in your life. He's coming. He's coming. He give you the vision, but he's not going to make you fulfill it on your own. He goes, I'm going to do it through you. You'll have no choice but to look back and that God give me the vision and all the material to do it. And he did it. All I did was lay at his feet and say, I'm not going to get distracted. Last scripture. I have to share this. I feel the Lord on this right now. Hebrews 2 verse 8 and 9. This is what we're going to close with. For in that, Jesus put all in subjection under him. Listen, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. Right? We still see coronavirus. We still see cancer. We still see bankruptcy. We still see broken families. We still see broken marriages. But look at this. You see those things and you think, what's the hope? What's the use? But listen to verse 9. But we, being the bride... We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. We see the narrative of the world, and friends, there's joy in knowing. I see the craziness. People, you don't have to hate them if they don't believe the same way you do. They don't see it yet. They don't see Jesus yet. You're like, hey, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you over who, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I'm not arguing. Come and see Jesus. I'm not arguing with you over who you voted for. Come and see Jesus. I'm not arguing over you whether I agree with this movement or that movement. Come and see Jesus because I'm seeing something different than you. And friends, there's joy in knowing I don't have the same vision as you. I don't have the same vision as the world. He said, set your mind on things above. He said, let your mind be renewed. And friends, I find that the Lord is going to drop a bomb on this church, that we're going to get hit with laughter, that people are going to say, are they drunk? That's biblical, Acts 2. Are they, is Ryan drunk? 
know he's not drunk. He's seeing something you're not seeing. He's seeing the Lord high and lifted up. He's seeing the Lord be the desire of the nations. He's seeing the Lord say, cancer, you thought you won. Parkinson's for my grandpa, you thought you won, but he's actually in a better place. So we get the last laugh. Because you thought you won, but I'll see you in the morning, Gramps. Because you are saved. Oh my God, come on. I feel this joy wanting to be released that we don't get distracted. Let's not get distracted. Let's live this life. We, Lord, we're saved. We've already won. How do you want me to release it here on earth? Oh, Jesus. The joy that comes from abiding. The joy... The joy, the joy, the joy that comes from abiding. Friends, it's time we start stop having language and start living it. Start living it. Moses was with the Lord, and when he come down, the Israelites saw the glory on his face. Moses didn't have to say, here's my five-point sermon. Here's why you need joy. They said, I want that. Whatever that is, I want it. And friends, he wants to release that this morning. He wants to release that this morning. So I don't know any other way besides Jesus. He would teach, preach, and heal. And I just feel this morning that he wants to release something. If you have to go, you can go. But I, but I feel this morning that there's something that the Lord wants to give, and I believe it's joy. You can say, yeah, but you don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jesus looked at the lame man and said, do you want to be healed? And he had all kinds of excuses. Jesus said, that's not what I asked. Do you want to be healed? And this morning, so many of us have talked ourselves out of joy and settled with complaining and complacency. The Lord said, this is your day. This is your day. And friends, if that's you, just take a few more minutes. And if that's you, I want you to come forward. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're saying, I, I, I want to re-give my life to Jesus. Maybe you're saying, I want that joy. Just as Paul said, I long to be among you so that we can impart spiritual gifts. I believe there's an impartation for joy. The vision that's coming to you and this house, you're going to need the joy of the Lord. You're going to need to learn a heavenly laugh. <laughs> you're going to have to learn who your dad is and learn that all things are under his feet. Maybe some of us need a higher perspective so that we can see not as the world sees, but we see all things are under him. So if that's you this morning and you need a touch... It might only be one. The Lord will honor you if you get up and come. And you say, you know what? I'm acknowledging in front of the gathering place that I need that. If you're on Facebook, comment, say pray for me or I need that. And one of the girls in the booth will pray for you. Yeah, come on. Just come forward if you need the Lord to touch you.